tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Lisa Wysocki. After working with local shelters for years, rescuing and transporting cats and dogs, Lisa, along with her best friend, Suzanne Steinberg, decided to focus their energy at getting at the root of the pet overpopulation problem. So in 2012, Fido Fixers was created, a not-for-profit, all-volunteer organization that provides low-cost spay and neuter services using mobile clinics for cat and dogs in economically disadvantaged areas typically located in the south of the United States, where the euthanasia rates for companion animals are highest. Currently, Fido Fixers has seven surgical mobile clinics and has performed over 83,000 surgeries, significantly reducing the number of unwanted litters of kittens and puppies born just to suffer or die. Lisa, I want to welcome you to the show. Hello, Stacy. Yeah. Introduction. I forgot I wrote it. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's great. Yes. Um, You've done some wonderful things, Lisa, (laughs) after listening in on your own, uh, on your own bio there. So thanks again for joining us today. And before we jump into uh, Fido Fixers, I want to find out more from you. You know, how did you get passionate about cats, passionate about dogs? You know, what was it that drove you to creating this program? Well, I've always been an animal person, even, you know, when I was a little child, I was rescuing dogs and cats. And I, you know, have always had pets my entire life. My record was nine, and I've always been rescues. And I started getting involved with some organizations in Greenwich, Connecticut. And I began as a cat cuddler, and I would go in and spend time with the shelter cats, of course, adopting them, you know, along the way, and adding to my own menagerie at home. And um, so I got more and more involved, starting as a cat cuddler, and then getting involved with adoption events and transports, bringing in mostly dogs from southern states. And during that time, I met my best friend, Suzanne Steinberg, who was also an animal advocate. When I met her, she had 13 rescue dogs. And we together became very entrenched in the transport of dogs from high kill areas in the south and bringing them to the northeast, where we worked with some of the larger groups and had adopted dogs and, you know, and one year we were able to get 600, over 650 dogs adopted. But what happened is the more we got involved in that, the more, you know, we were very happy in the beginning because it, it's really very joyful to find forever homes for these dogs and some cats who would have been killed if we didn't bring them up here. But it also got very frustrating because we knew that we were leaving thousands behind and we couldn't do it fast enough. And we had heard stories of the people who had been bringing the dogs up and the, you know, the, and the cats, how many were, were being um, euthanized. And in some areas, they were probably still are using, you know, gas chambers to do it. So as time went on, we just realized like, you know, we're just treading water here. We, we don't have a big impact. We had impact for the dogs we saved, but we were never going to solve the problem. And certainly, um, 
at that time, there were not enough homes for all these animals. So I, it's so funny because I actually serendipitously was listening to a book on tape by Bob Barker. And as you know, he ended the prices right with spay and neuter. And when I was done with it, I called his charity, um, his foundation, I should say. And I wanted to speak to him and his girlfriend called me back. I spent a long time on the phone with her and I told her what we were doing and that my partner and I wanted to spin off and do it on our own. And uh, she said, don't even spend any more time or energy on transports or rescuing. Focus on getting to the root of the problem. If you want to do your own thing, do spay and neuter. That's where you're going to have the greatest impact. And she told me, and you know, it's one of the reasons why I called was not only to get some information and to introduce, but I wanted to see about funding, if they would fund it. And they said, no, we don't fund anything except spay and neuter. And she told me how they had gone in to areas in New Mexico uh, with mobile clinics and stayed for months and months. And by the time they left, there were no puppies and kittens. Like if someone wanted a dog or a cat, they had to go and outside of the area to find one, that they had made such a, a major impact and saved so many lives from being destroyed, you know, if these litters were just allowed to continue. So that being said, we realized that that's what we wanted to do, to focus on spay and neuter and have a bigger impact. And so we came up with Fido Fixers and started our own 501c3 organization. And in 2013, the first Fido vehicle hit the road. And since then, you know, we've added seven to our fleet and we have an eighth on order. So we grew, you know, we took a U-turn and we went in a totally different direction. But we, Suzanne and I feel that we made the right decision to go that way. And since we founded this organization, as you said, you said 83,000, but, you know, I wrote that a couple of weeks ago. So now it's 85,000 surgeries. And if you've seen the chart where you say one unspayed cat or dog could, you know, a dog could be 65,000 offspring, a cat 80,000 offspring, you know, we think our impact is just millions of animals that have not been born to suffer and die. Yeah, that's incredible. Absolutely amazing what you're doing. And it sounds like that Bob Barker's girlfriend there got you in the idea for the the mobile clinic. So right. you have seven that are out either on loan or on the road at this point in time. You know, how do you work that relationship with an organization that might be interested in using one of your mobile clinics? Well, what we do is, you know, that we do a lot of networking because it's an issue. We have to find, we have to find a group. Um, I work in Greenwich, Connecticut in my office, my home office. And by the way, I should say that, you know, I'm not paid. And Suzanne, she and I have never taken a nickel out of the organization. She is the largest donor and I'm one of the largest donors. Yeah. And we get very little grant money, very little grant money. I should say only one grant. (laughs) (laughs) And that was out of the UK, believe it or not. Uh, but that being said, how do we find these groups? We find these groups through word of mouth. Esther Meckler has been a very important person with helping us find good partners. But that's one of our challenges is, you know, where small people don't know who we are. And how do we find a good partner? But we found some very good partners over the years. And so what we bring to the table is we buy these, you know, fully equipped mobile clinics from Lavoie. 
and uh, they're 26 feet and they are just, you know, they have everything, autoclaves, uh, the operating suite, and the group, our partners have to provide the vet and they actually operate it. So we, we give them this asset, which now costs $180,000. Uh, we also pay for the vehicle insurance and major repairs. And I do all the DMV work and make sure that's all taken care of. And then for a dollar a month, they have to operate it and perform over 200 surgeries a month on dogs and cats in their neighborhood, in their area. We give them a lot of uh, flexibility and we're very easy people to work with because as long as they make their numbers, we leave them alone. They have to report to us monthly, even though some groups, you know, report weekly, that's fine. Uh, but they're allowed to set their prices, uh, but it does have to be low price. It has to be considerably lower than a vet and they have to work four days a week. So 200 surgeries a month, four days a week, preferably remotely, that they move around so they can go to underserved areas where there's little access to veterinarian care and these kind of services. And then they give us a dollar a month, which I say none of them do. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just there for, you know, it's a symbol, a symbol of goodwill. But they, even that they don't pay us, which is pretty funny. But we love our partners and we've had some terrific ones and we have very good ones now. But, you know, there was a lot of, uh, we had a lot of startup issues and learned a lot of lessons over the years. So we've gotten better at finding partners. And also, you know, we have to be flexible because stuff happens with partners. Sometimes they burn out. Sometimes the vet quit. That, that happens a lot. And then we have set it up so that we start off with a one-year contract. But if they can't make their commitment or something changes, we can move it. So we never buy a FIDO for any specific group. We maintain title, so we have control over it uh, because things change. And I can't tell you how many groups we've been involved with where, for many reasons, the most typical is that the vet leaves. And, you know, we, everybody knows there's a vet shortage and they can't operate and run the program anymore. So we have to move it. Is there a um, minimum amount of time or maximum amount of time that organizations can have a mobile clinic with you? Uh, no. I mean, the minimal is that if, you know, we had a few groups, three of them that took FIDO and never could get the program off the ground. The vet didn't like it or they weren't really serious about it. And so if that's the case, we, we'll pull it. We don't leave it there for a year just because there's a, an annual contract. We will pull it and try to put it in another area where it can be productive. But we do have some groups that have been with us for years. Our group in South Carolina, the Humane Society of South Carolina and Columbia, South Carolina is just a wonderful partner. And they've been with us since 2014. And so that and then we have a snippet in Tennessee, and they've been with us for probably four years. So we have some long term relationships. And then we have short term relationships, because, as I said, it's not for every group. And you know, certainly, you know, stuff happens with the vet. Like we had it in Mississippi for a while and they used it for two years. And then um, Mississippi, Mississippi State University or somebody else funded a much larger unit. So they, you know, they gave it back. 
And then we sent it to Texas to work with PetSet. So we're constantly moving them around. Uh, but then again, other, other groups just, it really sticks. Like they are able to have a you know, sustainable program for years. But even when, Stacy, even when we send it to areas and it doesn't work out, I still figure, well, you know what, that's good because they learned a lesson. I mean, we learned to not, you know, we're not going to go back with them again, but they learned a lesson too, because a lot of groups, you know, they fantasize or whatever, they think this is going to be terrific. And it's not for everybody. It's very hard work. And the vets can get claustrophobic. And it's for a different kind of person or, you know, it's a high volume vet that doesn't mind being in a, you know, a driving. And it's, it's really very, very difficult. So even if when we send it to some groups and they can never get it off the ground and we take it away and they give it back, what, what happened is the positive is that they didn't go out and raise $180,000 to buy this expensive mobile clinic just to have it sit there and then what? Right. Right. So they, they were able to do a proof of concept right there using FIDO. When you look and consider organizations, is the size of the organization a determinant or can a rescue organization that feels like they can put the infrastructure together? Are they just as considered as a larger group? Yes. You know, larger groups like the Humane Society in South Carolina, and we've had Brother Wolf in Asheville, which are considered larger organizations in PetSet in out of Houston. And then we have Snippet in Eastern Tennessee, run by Priscilla, Dr. Priscilla Seaton, and it's Priscilla and her vet tech. It's the two of them. She has a very small not-for-profit. She's highly, highly effective. I mean, she is uh, usually every month is doubling her numbers, and you know it's typically 400 surgeries a month. So we have both. The most important thing, the big lesson we learned was that before we give FIDO to any group, they have to have a dedicated vet already hired. We have been burned by groups saying, you know, oh, we're going to hire a vet and then we bring FIDO and then they can never find a vet. So, I mean, the biggest, the key is that they have a full-time dedicated vet and that they, that they're able to fund it because they have to pay for the vet. They have to pay for the staff. You know, what they don't have to pay for is a very expensive mobile clinic and they don't have to get insurance because insurance is very challenging. And um, we've had some ups and downs with that. But now we have a very good insurer that is sticking with us and, you know, the repair. So, you know, because of our partnership, they have you know much less expenses, significantly less expenses. And they also don't have the headache of doing this. Like, you know, I have to do all the DMV stuff, which is like part of my job. <laughs> I think it's the worst part of most people's life, right? Yeah. Even for their own car, they'll be like, you know, oh. a fixed Fido. What is this you're talking about? <laughs> Every time I go to have to go to DMV, I get like a pit in my stomach, but um, you know, we do all that, you know, so we like, we fund, we do the fundraising to buy it for them, you know, managing the insurance, you know, taking care of the DMV stuff. I pay that we pay the property taxes and major repairs we reimburse. So we make it very, very easy for them to do business with us, but we need them and they need us. Give your feline friend protein packed meals. They'll crave with smalls. Smalls is fresh, human-grade food for cats, delivered right to your doorstep so you too can embrace your inner house cat. All cats are obligate carnivores. They need fresh, protein-packed meals. 
Conventional cat food is made with profits in mind using low-quality, cheap meat byproducts, grains, and starches coated in artificial flavors. Smalls, on the other paw, is made with cats in mind. Smalls develops complete and balanced recipes for all life stages with leading cat nutritionists. Starting with human-grade ingredients like you or I would find at the market, Smalls recipes are gently cooked to lock in protein, vitamins, minerals, and moisture. No room for fillers, no need for flavoring. Better quality ingredients mean a better, healthier life for your cat. Since switching to Smalls, cats have experienced improved digestion and a less smelly litter box, softer and shinier coats, plus better breath. Try Smalls today for your cats in your household. Hooch loved it. Use offer code COMMUNITYCATS at checkout for a total of 30% off your first order at Smalls.com. Are you ready to be part of the solution for feral and stray cats in your neighborhood? If so, then make sure to sign up for our next Neighborhood Cats TNR Certification Workshop. A new workshop is held online each month, generally on the first Saturday of the month, but please check our website for exact dates. For just $10, expert instructors will teach you best practices for trap, neuter, and return. TNR. Learn what TNR is and why it works. We'll cover getting along with neighbors, preparations for trapping, trapping itself, including entire colonies at once, feeding, providing winter shelter, and more. Take advantage of the interactive format, extensive handouts, and video footage of actual projects. Attendees will receive a certificate of attendance and gain access to an ongoing Facebook group for networking with other TNR activists. The two-and-a-half-hour workshop is led by Susan Richmond, the Executive Director of Neighborhood Cats, and Brian Cordes, Neighborhood Cats National Programs Director. To find out the date of the next workshop and sign up, just visit communitycatspodcast.com. As we emerge from the global pandemic of COVID, fostering is emerging as the new normal in the animal welfare industry. But shelter management software doesn't provide the tools or the workflows for communicating with fosters at scale. So many organizations struggle to maintain hundreds of animals in foster homes. If only there was a system that was custom built specifically to solve this problem. Introducing Foster Space, powered by our friends at Dubert. Foster Space was custom built to allow you to manage hundreds of foster relationships and to communicate with them via text, email, and even Facebook Messenger. Your fosters have a portal where they can upload videos and photos and updates on their animals, and organizations can schedule fosters for meet and greets, adoption days, or anything else they need. There's so much more to check out. Sign up for free at www.dubert.com and go to the Foster Space tab to get started. So Lisa, going forward, how many units do you think your group will handle? I think eight is going to be pretty good for us. Hmm. I really do. I really do. Because it's it really is, we'll see. I mean, that's hard to say. It's hard to say. But, you know, it's just the two of us. And, you know, we're not getting any, as I said, we're not getting any grants. I don't know why. I have applied with all the big groups, but we're not. So I think... Uh, what's happening is that as the units start aging, our expenses for maintenance are, is going to get higher and higher, and and the insurance gets higher and higher. So I think our ability to fundraise to get like unit nine, ten, and then cover our increase in operating spend, expenses is going to be pretty difficult. Right? We're going to be we're going to be very happy to have eight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, as as a, another owner of a mobile unit, I know that expenses and can be significant. I mean, I just paid, you know, $2,500 to repair a generator. So it's uh, those major repairs can be a surprise and a little bit painful. 
Right. And, you know, I learned from the manufacturer that we're already one of the largest groups in the country, at least with them. Like we have, uh, and I really shouldn't name names, but if you look at like the household names, we're the third largest customer in for the veterinarian mobile clinics from Lavoie. So it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It is a lot. It is a lot. I'm thinking about you taking on the West Coast, though, but South is fine. I'll, I'll be fine with that one, too, Lisa. I do have a great, a really, really good group on my wait list in the West Coast. So it's not out of the question. That's great. It's good to know. You know, I think that there's a lot changing around the country. And, and some of the things that might be changing, too, is that the units might end up doing It'll do spay, neuter, but maybe also maybe some wellness and sort of community care on the days that they're not doing surgery or something like that also, just to to get even out into the community even more. Have you thought about that or has anyone approached you about using it on the days off as as like a vaccination microchipping type unit? No, they're already doing that and we don't interfere with how the vets want to spend their, their time in the sense that as long as they perform over 200 surgeries a month, if they want to do wellness, that's great with us. And a lot of them do while, you know, while the animal is there, they do do the wellness visit and they do microchipping and they do vaccinations. So all of that's happening. We just don't dictate it. The only thing we uh, absolutely require is 200 spay and neuters and that it be low cost. That's it. But they can, it, it's entirely up to the vet. If they want to do, if they want to work five days a week and do wellness on the fifth day, or they, you know, if they want to do, you know, wellness on weekends, we're good with all that. So Lisa, if folks are interested in finding out more about Fido Fixers, how would they do that? Well, they can go to our Facebook page, which is Fido Fixers Greenwich, or they can go to my website, which uh, is, um, what's the word for it? Well, it's homemade, Stacey. (laughs) (laughs) I made it in 2012, like in my pajamas and not being very technical. And it looks it. And it looks at, and it's my contact uh, a submission form is not working. And I spent a lot of time with the company, the web building company, and they got back to me and said, uh, you, this is so, your website is so old, you're kind of out of luck. So I'm at the point where do I want to spend money to redo the website or uh, people can just contact me through Facebook or the Gmail account, which is phytofixers at gmail.com. And I decided I didn't want to spend the money on the website because we're really like such a small little organization that does big things. But our big thing is like, we just don't waste money. We don't waste money on salaries or anything, but buying new equipment, sticking to our mission, which is to, you know, buy mobile clinics, pay for the insurance, pay for the major repairs and, you know, the, licensing and property taxes. That's what we pay for. But we don't do like we just do. We're bad at it. We're bad at like the social media frills. We're just bad at that stuff. It's not what we we're not. Yeah, I'm not doing it. So that's how people find us. They find us those two ways. But, you know, if if I could ever get someone to build a website for us for free, I should do that. I wouldn't I should do that. 
Lisa, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? No, I think we covered a lot of ground. Yeah. And I mean, it's incredible being what you would consider yourself being a two-person nonprofit. So you call yourself a small nonprofit, but you're extremely impactful with what you're doing. So, you know, for folks that are out there that are like, oh, that's just the two of us, you know, we can't, we can't do this or we can't do that, you know, find a solution, find a way to be able to do it. And it sounds, Lisa, like you are incredibly focused, which is also a really great trait to have, which is really stay focused and don't allow yourself to get pushed in this direction or this direction. And I think that that's also a really good lesson for folks to take away with them after this conversation today. We um, stay in our own line. Our, our, uh, we stay in our own lane. That's right. Lisa, I want to thank you again for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on again in the future. You're welcome, Stacy. Thank you for inviting me. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think, and a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats. The Community Cats Podcast would like to shout out a few of our online event sponsors. Did you attend the United Spay Alliance Conference in March? The incredible content and educational opportunity were brought to you in part by Marion's Dream and Humane Network. If you or your organization would like to sponsor content that you care about and that saves feline lives, go to communitycatspodcast.com slash sponsor and learn more about how you can turn your passion for cats into action.